Welcome into the Cougar Tailgate, where BYU fandom lives. Here's your host, Lauren McClain. What's up, my friends? Lauren McClain here with Cleon Wall, and we're doing what we do best, talking all things BYU Cougars. Here's what's coming up on the show today. All the recent transfer portal movement has caused a frenzy amongst football fans, coaches, and of course, the players themselves. Should it stay or should it go? Should it stay or should it go? And how do we feel like the Cougars managed all the madness? Plus, speaking of transfers, BYU men's volleyball starting outside hitter and Stanford transfer Capono Brown joins the show to tell us why he thinks this team will take a giant leap from last year's uncharacteristically poor season. But first, Capono and the guys take on Fairleigh Dickinson this weekend in the Smithfield house after a 2-0 and start. Cleon, what's up, first and foremost? How are we? Uh, I thought you were going to sing the whole episode, so I was just going to sit back and enjoy. <laughs> but I guess not. not. I guess I guess we should talk BYU volleyball and stuff. Yeah, no one wants to hear about that. There have been some incredible players and teams that come through the program throughout the years with BYU men's volleyball. And BYU has been a national powerhouse for decades. Last year, they went 8-17. and 17. Can the Cougars make a comeback this season, Cleon? Well, I, I'm not a volleyball expert, uh, even though I do play one on TV. No, I'm just teasing. I'm, <laughs> I'm not a volleyball <laughs> expert, nor do I play one in the podcast realm. So I'm not going to say that I'm a volleyball. But you know what? I just, I love playing volleyball. I, I, I love playing volleyball. I'm not good at it. I love playing like backyard volleyball or at the gym or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I like playing it. Uh, and, and I enjoy watching. I especially enjoy watching uh, uh, men's volleyball. And, and these guys are fun to watch. Uh, I hope they get better as the season progresses. Hopefully they get you know, a little bit more experience, and they just keep getting better and better. Because I'm not a volleyball expert, I actually talked to Steve Vale and Jerem Jordan, the uh, BYU Broadcasting Volleyball Duo, uh, for the podcast Behind the Mic. By the way, go download and subscribe that podcast too. But anyway, um, I, I talked to them, uh, and they say this team's hungry after last season, after going 8-17 and 17 last season. And that's what you want to hear from a team who underachieved. You want to hear that they are hungry. I, I, What they told me the big difference is so far is Heath Hughes is the setter. He's a grad transfer from Grand Canyon University. Uh, if he can be solid for this team, who knows how far they could go because he's the guy in the middle and he directs everything. And if he can do a good job of directing everything, you know, the middle is solid. The outside hitters are good. I think they could be really good. How far do they go? I don't know, but I I think there's at least hope there after last year. I think the most interesting thing that we will see, Lauren, is what's going to happen to this team after their first loss. Most of these guys were on the squad last year. They had a nine-match losing streak in the middle of the season and a six-match losing streak to end the season. So it'll be mm-hmm. interesting to see if they have the mental toughness to bounce back after that first loss. And that's a real thing. The mentality of sports is such a huge component. And I think that's a great point you make. Sean Olmstead, I think, is an incredible coach, but losing assistant coaches Jalen Reyes a couple years ago to Nebraska and Lucas Lave to Team USA and now NC State was a huge hit for the team. Those two were incredible coaches, amazing recruiters, and I think BOU's team really felt their loss last year. They just didn't gel like they normally did, and they didn't have the 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 talent that they usually have not not uh, dissing on any of these guys now but they've I mean they've had Taylor Sander Brendan Sander Ben Patch just these amazing uh, national players come through the program and international players as well BYU just hired former BYU player Otavio Souza from Brazil who I think is going to help fill that gap a little bit Coach Olmstead told me that the guys on the team have really latched onto him they respect him. 
which also means I think he's going to be a really great recruiter. If the guys now respect him and listen to him and do well that way, I think that will translate to the guys are trying to get come in as well. He said, Coach Olmstead told me that he's really good from a statistics standpoint with errors, blocks, and efficiency, which is what Luka Slave was really good at. And so I think, again, that's going to fill that gap on the coaching side a little bit. And apart from the setter and libero, Cleon, they have a really, really young squad who was only just going to keep getting better. In fact, this coming weekend, there's going to be two players that will be starting uh, their very first matches ever, not just starting their first matches ever, playing in their very first matches ever. So, I mean, that that's going to be difficult. There's going to be some some uh, learning curve for these guys. So I don't know if they're going to make a huge jump up to the top five in the country, which is what we're used to seeing. But I think they'll definitely, uh, there'll definitely be a big improvement from last year with this team. So let's talk a little bit about the legacy of BOU men's volleyball. The program was created in 1990. They only won seven matches in the first two years, but then they gradually got better and better until they became a powerhouse. And that's in large part due to Coach Carl McGowan, who really built this program into what it is today. They have three national championships in 99, 01, and 04. Runner-ups in 03, 2013, 2016, 2017, and 2021. That's amazing. That is an amazing accomplishment for one program. It's produced players such as, like I said, Taylor Sander, Ben Patch from Team USA, and an insane amount of All-Americans. Um, Gabby Garcia Fernandez from Puerto Rico recently, just an incredible player. Davide Gardini from Italy. They, they've just they've just had so many fun and exciting players come through the program. So not to mention the Smith Fieldhouse that gets packed during home matches. And I'm pretty sure I'm slightly deaf, Cleon, in each year from all the years <laughs> sidelining those games because it gets incredibly loud. I was very, very pregnant, actually, sidelining the very last time I did it with uh, my oldest son, Cash. And I think that's why he's so hyper now is because I was in the Smithfield house and he was just jamming to, you know, all the music they play in there and all the loudness. But what do you think makes BYU volleyball so popular, Cleon? Well, I'm going to go with two things here. Well, I guess three things, really. Uh, the first thing is two things, which is speed and power. Um, by the way, this is not a slam to win the women's team or women's volleyball, but these guys jump really high and they hit so hard that I really think it's addicting for those of us who don't really understand maybe the nuances of volleyball mm -hmm. and really only played in their backyard like I have. So I think that's part of it. You just get sucked in by... Oh my goodness, these guys, how how high are these guys jumping? Oh my goodness, how hard are they hitting when they spike the ball? How how hard are they hitting when they serve it? You know, getting those digs and and being able to keep plays alive too. These guys are diving all over the place. Again, I'm I'm not slamming on the women at all, but there's something addicting there about seeing the game or playing the game that you know and then seeing it played at a high level. And just being so impressed with that. And then I'd probably say the second thing is the venue. Um, I, I know for people who may have watched BYU men's volleyball on TV, it, it, it is a lot of fun. I do enjoy watching those matches on TV. But it is so much more fun when you get to go to the Smith Fieldhouse. Oh, yeah. And I, I've gone to volleyball matches at the Marriott Center before, and it's just not the same. The intimate venue of the Smith Fieldhouse really is intoxicating. 5,000 fans is perfect. It's like a bandbox. Let's be honest. It's like going to a WCC basketball venue. That's what it's like. So imagine going to play, you know, it, when BYU basketball goes to play at like Santa Clara or Pacific. That's that's what it's like at the Smith Fieldhouse for volleyball, and they're packing that place in. 
you get into the matches very easily because most everyone is so close to the court. And I remember as a student watching some matches, and I didn't even have a seat. It was standing room only. And it was the way to go because when you're a student, you rarely sit down. And so I, I love that most of the students are also on the end lines because they really get into it. It, it has to be, I think for me, that's the thing. It's speed, power, and then the venue. That's why I like uh, BYU men's volleyball so much. Here's why I think people love it. BYU men's volleyball wins, and they win at home a lot. BYU has only lost 13 times at home since Sean Olmstead took over the program. That's incredible. And a lot of those came last year, unfortunately. Before that, it was – so I've sidelined men's volleyball for uh, a decade about. I rarely, rarely saw a loss. Um, the atmosphere is amazing. Like you said, so loud. They play a lot of fun music. They play, I don't know if you remember this or when you went Cleon, if they did this, the jaws theme music after every game point and everyone does the big, <laughs> the big shark hands. And it's just everyone around the country, all the coaches on the different teams, the players talk about how incredible it is playing in the Smith field house. And honestly, there's nowhere else like it. The game is very fast-paced for those of us with ADD. It's something we can watch and enjoy, and it keeps us on our toes. The athletes, like you said, are so physical with unreal verticals and power, and there's un honestly nothing else like it. I love it. All right, coming up, outside hitter and current kill leader Capono Brown joins us to talk his adjustments to life in Provo, improvements to this year's squad, and what he misses about his hometown of Honolulu, Hawaii. Don't go anywhere. This is Cougar Tailgate. Welcome back to Cougar Tailgate. I'm Lauren McLean alongside Cleon Wall. The BYU men's volleyball team is off to a hot start. And joining us now is the squad's kill leader from Honolulu, Hawaii, Capono Brown. Thanks for coming on, Capono. Of course. Thanks for having me. You've gotten off to a great start this season. How has it felt to be back competing together as a team? It is so exciting. I mean, we had a very, uh, really young squad last year. So um, leaving the last season and coming into this one, we had high expectations for ourselves, and um, no, we're just looking forward to getting after it. How hard was that for you last year? I mean, to when you think about BYU volleyball expectations, at least me, I, I think oh, always in, always in the top fifteen. You know, always have a good, always have a good team. You go eight and seventeen last year. Just not a typical BYU volleyball season. It, it, what was that like for you and for the team last year to kind of struggle along? It was difficult to navigate. And I mean, transferring into BYU, um, I had the expectations that um, we were going to be a nationally ranked team. We were going to be competitive and winning a lot. And that really wasn't what happened. But um, no, I think we maintained optimism even through the MPSF tournament, um, knowing that we had Davide and really capable leaders on our team. We were looking to kind of hit a spree in the MPSF and get into the national tournament. That didn't happen, but that's all right. So you transferred from Stanford. You mentioned yes. that last season obviously wasn't quite what you expected it to be. What were your kind of thoughts and emotions going through last season transferring from Stanford? Um, to start the season, I was just trying to find the court. Um, there are a lot of talented people on this team. And last year especially, I wasn't really confident in my own abilities to find the court. So um, that was really a goal for myself to find the court and be able to compete. I mean, that's that's motivating uh, when things don't go your way. It just gives you more motivation to uh, work hard and get it the next time around. Um, so, I mean, I'm lucky I have this year and 
the year to come to kind of get after that and try and get a national championship banner uh, in the Smith. Um, but yeah, no, um, as disappointing as it is, I mean, I know a lot of the guys I'm working with uh, in the program are very motivated to get on the court and make things happen. So that's something to look forward to. You were a freshman All-American right. when you were at Stanford. You come here and you just mentioned that you had a hard time just finding the court. Right. Is that a little bit of a, um, a check to your ego a little bit? Like, wait, how did I go from being an All-American to I'm not even getting a chance to play? Oh, definitely. I mean, um, I played opposite at Stanford my freshman year. And when I transferred to BYU, uh, Sean had brought me into the office and was like, so what, what position are you looking to play? And um, during the preseason, I had trained as an outside hitter. Um, so f that entire time, I was sitting behind Davide, Mix, Luke Benson, these really talented outside hitters. And when it came time to go up to Penn State, um, Last year, we hit some issues with COVID, and I ended up filling in as a starting outside, and I thought that was like an absolute strike of luck. I was like, okay, how did I find the court? This is so weird. Um, and then I ended up switching over to opposite in that same game. Um, they were trying to find a lineup that was working for us, and I ended up sticking with the opposite position for the rest of the year. Um, it's funny how things work out like that, but yeah. What went into your decision to transfer from Stanford to BYU? So as an incoming freshman to Stanford, they had announced that they were going to cut 11 sports and men's volleyball was one of them. So when they came out with that announcement, that coupled with COVID just created this really interesting and difficult to navigate dynamic that I wasn't really familiar with how, with how to deal with. And then um, mm -hmm. as things progressed, they didn't let us onto campus to train until January about two weeks before a season actually started, which is really even more difficult. I mean, yeah. okay, we've got two games against Pepperdine coming up. Um, we're sitting in quarantine thinking, okay, we've got a week and a half before these games. How are we going to win those games? That doesn't happen. Um, and then, yeah, no, just the impending cut of the program was something that we had to deal with the entire season. They didn't reinstate that Stanford program until after we were knocked out of the MPSF tournament and looking at um, summer coming up. So that was really weird. And then things that um, contributed to my transfer uh, were the fit of the program. I wasn't a total fit at Stanford, didn't totally like how I fit in there. So um, I had been talking with um, Micah Naone and Sean out of high school. And when I had entered the transfer portal in March of 2021, Micah had swooped in and started talking to me. And it was like, hey, BYU's a fit. This is something to consider. So, yeah. But I, I do want to get back to you coming to BYU. But I, I, do have some, I do have a question I want to ask you about Stanford. When they announced, okay, hey, we're going to cut the program, what were the conversations like between you and your teammates? You're like, wait, what's going on here? I came here to play volleyball, right. and now they're talking about not even having volleyball, especially since Stanford's volleyball team, kind of like BYU, Stanford's volleyball team has been very successful. Correct. So um, when they had announced that they were going to cut the program, um, I, be I believe it was our head coach, John Costi. He reached out to all the players, um, their parents, and a bunch of the alum, and got us all on this really large Zoom call. And we kind of 
navigated everything that was presented to us and the uncertainty moving forward. So there were a lot of Zoom calls because, well, we were in COVID, so we couldn't meet in person. But um, that's we were kind of left in the dark for most of it. Um, the administration didn't tell us how we could undo the whole cut. Um, so the alumni were trying to come up with, okay, how do we get funding for this? And then, no, it, it was really a mess. I'll say that much. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds very convoluted and confusing. Very, very. <laughs> but we're glad you ended up here at BYU. What Me was too. it like for you adjusting to a new team and a, a new culture than what you were used to? I will say it was an immediate fit. Uh, the guys on the team were amazing with my transition. Um, I had known John Stanley before I came here. We're both from Hawaii. So I had known him and then Davide and Brandon O'Brender, we called him B.O. They were amazing as comes for as goes for helping me get settled into the program. Um, Sean, Micah, and Devin were the coaches that year, and they were amazing in uh, setting up a culture that allowed for me to be welcomed with open arms, if that makes sense. And mm-hmm. no, I mean, this this program has an absolutely amazing culture. So yeah. I, I, I think you said that you'd had conversations with BYU before right. deciding, go, deciding to go to Stanford. W- were there any other connections to BYU besides, yeah, they recruited you and you played against them when you were at Stanford? Right. So um, my mom is a BYU alum. Uh, my sister attended BYU. She graduated this last year. Um, what else? I had those conversations with the coaches as uh, out of high school. Um, I think those are the main connections that drew me towards coming to BYU. I, I mean, that familiarity that I had with BYU was definitely uh, served as great stepping stones in my uh, transfer process. And yeah. So cool. I didn't know your mom came here. That's what, so yeah. was she kind of pushing you to oh, come to for BYU? Sure. For sure. She was pushing me out of high school and I was like, I think I'm going to go with Stanford. But no, she knew it was best. <laughs> she did. Okay, it all comes full circles. Mamas know. She I want to know. So just, just coming back to this year as a whole, what's been, I mean, it, it's just, you guys have only have a few games under your belt so far, but what's made the difference so far this season compared to last? Um, I think we're approaching the way we play completely different. Um, If you looked at how we competed on the court last year, there was a sort of lack of urgency and focus. It it was almost like we approached some games as though we were entitled, and that's that's something we do not have at all this year. We are approaching every game as an opportunity for us to capitalize and grow as a group. And um, when we got in the gym at the beginning of preseason, I think... It's appropriate to say that Sean, Devin, Sean and Devin took a completely different approach to how we wanted to train and um, the energy we wanted to cultivate in the practice gym. And I think it's it's a successful approach. Um, the team's bought into that. And um, not to mention, we have a new assistant coach, um, Otavio Souza, who's doing an amazing job of also helping us buy into that. And no, I think there's a completely different buzz about us this year. You mentioned that you felt entitlement, or at least that was your opinion. You felt like the team was entitled last year. It, did Do you feel like the whole team felt that way? Did, were the coaches, did they come and tell you that? Or is that just kind of like you thought, you know what, we're just not playing up to our potential. 
and we feel like we're entitled. Where, where, where does that thought process come in? It wasn't something that was blatantly said, but I mean, at the beginning of the season, there was, I mean, there was always talk about rankings in the locker room and there was always like, oh, we're sitting at six, we should be at four. And it's like, okay, that's, that's, we don't necessarily control the, we do control the rankings. We don't control what's said, but the way we play controls that. So we were focused on the wrong things. Mm, interesting. All right. Now the hard hitting questions. You being from Hawaii, which I'm so jealous of. Do you miss home <laughs> a lot during these winter months? Oh, absolutely. Or are you a fan of the snow? <laughs> it is too cold here and I miss the beach. I mean, I tell everyone having a tan is just part of my personality. So I'm really missing that right now. <laughs> well, you can still get a tan if you go up to the ski resort, right? Sort of. I, I don't know how that works. I'm also Goggle horrible at skiing. <laughs> Okay, I, I, I have to ask you about your first name, Capono. Yes. Fascinating. Um, I, well, my first name's Cleon, so it kind of so people sometimes ask me about that too. So I want to know origin. Where, where did it come from? Why, why were you named Capono? So it's a Hawaiian name uh, given to me by my mom and dad, and it means to uphold righteousness. Um, yeah. Mm. Wow, that's pretty cool and intense. Very. You're like, that's, you're like, that's a, a lot, lot, that's a lot to you. live up to, Mom do, and Dad. I do, I do, yes. <laughs> you're like, thanks a lot, Mom and Dad. It could have just been like John or Steve or something like I know. that. I think... You're like, uphold righteousness. Thanks a lot. <laughs> I think my name was supposed to be Taj, but something switched up along the line. So I'm happy with Capono. Okay. Oh, Taj is cool, too. Are there any nicknames that family or friends have given you that deal with volleyball? Um, I have a few. So... Um, something that stuck with me from my freshman year, um, they wrote an art article on me while I was at Stanford um, from the first game I played in, and they misspelled my name to Kabopno. So that's <laughs> that stuck around a bit. Um, Kabopno, huh? Yeah, I have a couple teammates that um, refer to me as Sea Level Pono whenever we're playing at Sea Level because my serving is different. Um, I'm trying to think. Um, Pono's the main nickname, though. That That's yeah. what everyone calls me. Well, it's a rad name. I love it. We're talking to Capono Brown from the BYU men's volleyball team. Capono, thank you so much for taking the time and being here with us, and good luck the rest of the season. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Capono's awesome. I think the men's volleyball team will definitely take care of business this weekend. All right, Cleon. You know what's crazy to me? No matter what time of year, football is always Always a storyline. Everyone always wants to talk about football. There's always something to talk about. And currently, it's the turmoil that is the transfer portal. This transfer portal window has closed for college football on January 18th. But the next transfer portal opens May 1st and closes May 15th. So we're not done. We are not done with the transfer portal. That's really strange to think about. There's so much to break down here, but let's start with this. Cleon, do you feel like the transfer portal is good or bad for college football? Well, if I'm going to act like an old guy, I would say I don't like it for the continuity of the team. It kind of feels like a hired gun situation. I always wonder how well players are going to adapt to new surroundings. And, and we've kind of noticed that in men's basketball, Lauren. Um, yeah. They needed yeah. some time to gel. Uh, you know, the new guys that transferred in through the transfer portal needed some time to gel. And they're still trying to kind of figure that out. But you know, they have a season to do that. You really don't get that with football. You you better be ready to go yep. in, in that first game. And so you better get the right guys who can also understand the system because you're not going to have a lot to work out. Luckily for BYU this season, they may be able to work some of those things out just because of the first two opponents the first two weeks. I, I think there are positives and negatives for players, but I think on the whole, yeah, I'm going to say this. I think it's a positive for college football. If these players aren't fitting in with their team, they have a chance to find a place 
where they can fit. So I actually think it's great for the college football players that they have the transfer portal. It's definitely not uh, your grandma's college football anymore. Like I, I don't even think I don't even think you can say it's it's good or bad because it's so new still. It, all we know is it's not like college football used to be. You very well might not see your favorite guy play for four years. That's just not how it's going to be. Um, and maybe, but maybe not. I think it's like I said, good for suit certain players, but it just causes mayhem. It's extremely difficult, I think, for coaches not knowing which guys are staying. And which are going in BYU's case, they were told that a guy was staying, and then days later he entered the transfer portal. So, man, it, that's going to be so hard when you're out recruiting. I mean, the BYU football coaches were recruiting during this time, so they're like, okay, who's leaving? Which guys do we need to get? Which positions do we need to fill? It makes it hard to invest as a fan in players when you don't know if they're leaving or not. When your team has a down year, especially, right? I mean, yeah, if your team's really, really good. I think most of the guys, unless they're guys that aren't playing and think they need to be playing, are going to leave. But if your team has a down year in this in this college football atmosphere, you better buckle up because I, I I guarantee a good chunk of your team is out of there, and that's that's just a strange thing. So we'll see if things calm down as the years go on because maybe this is kind of like a fun new toy for players. You know, it's like oh my gosh, I could go here, I could go here, I could go here. And so maybe when people kind of catch on that it's not always a better scenario at a different school, it might calm down. But then again, maybe it won't. We don't know. We'll just yeah. have to see. Cleon, how do you feel like BYU fared in this later latest transfer portal? Okay, what I like, they got an experienced QB in Keaton Slovis and a running back yeah. in Aiden Robbins. I like that they picked up some defensive linemen um, because I think they need some depth there. And they also found some offensive linemen to replace the guys who left, but that's what I don't like. I don't like that they lost the Barrington brothers along the offensive line. Yeah, I think same. that's the biggest loss. Uh, they lost some defensive backs who had some promise. I don't like that Logan Fano left to play for Utah, but his brother's going there, so I get that. I just wish we could have seen him play, and maybe he would have stuck around, but he didn't get to play because of an injury. I don't like that Keenan Peely has gone to Tennessee, but I get that one too, and I, I, I wish him nothing but luck. So, yeah, there are things I, I, I probably the thing that hurts the most is the Barrington brothers to me. Yeah, absolutely. The the offensive line, which was highly touted, um, and they were two key pieces. I'm with you with Keenan Peely. If you get a chance to go play in the SEC, and especially a storied program like Tennessee, that would be very, very hard to turn down. So I don't I don't blame these guys that uh, kind of throw their name out in the out in the mix and see what kind of offers they get, but. For BYU, 13 guys entered the transfer portal, and then they got 10 in return. Sorry, Boise State. I think BYU <laughs> took four, three or four guys from Boise State. Uh, like you mentioned, found someone to replace Jared Hall. Jacob Conover was obviously not the guy for whatever reason, so it was really nice to get uh, Keaton Slovis. BYU got Christopher Brooks last year, and you saw what a help he was to the team this year uh significantly after losing Tyler Algier at running back so hopefully Aiden Robbins will be a similar scenario for BYU honestly Cleon, I think NIL is where I have the most question marks so we can go into that a different day so so I don't know we'll see we'll see what the transfer portal does we'll see how BYU fares in their first year in the big 12 with these new guys hopefully they can gel quickly and that does it for us today thanks again to men's volleyballs Capono Brown for coming on the show with us you can join the Cougar Tailgate wherever you get your podcasts on Apple, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, or on BYUradio.org. Cougar Tailgate is a production of BYU Radio.